Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. How many have made any New Year's resolutions? No way? See, Maggie's smart in her young age, right? Kristen, actually, she's not here this morning. Her New Year's resolution was to, to leave me. Yeah. For a week. For a week. And so she actually rode down with the kids to uh, the grandkids and Bianca to Louisiana, and then she'll fly back in a week. So it's me and the boys, say the boys, for a week. That's going to be interesting because daddy's so prepared for this, but it'd be good. I said, honey, have fun. It'd be great. The house burns down. It's insured. So we're all good, right? I want to get started this morning. I don't want to keep you really long, but um, I want to start off with this idea. There was this commercial that's been going for about, I would say, almost four decades now. I was, I think it might have started before I was born, um, or just at, I think they started when I was born. It was in remembrance of me. Um, but I want to I say their, their slogan or kind of the narration behind it, and I want to see if you can catch on to what it is. Here it is. Because they're so warm and toasty, because they're crispy on the outside and perfectly fluffy on the inside, because when you love the homemade taste of blank this much, you won't know whether to share them or keep them all to yourself. Anyone? Check out this commercial. Maybe this will help remind you. These homestyle egos are so warm and fluffy, golden and crispy. I wonder if they're looking at me. They're looking at me. There were only two left, and there are three of us. You understand? Am I a bad person? <sighs> Egos, this good should be shared. This is the longest anyone has ever gone without talking, ever. Here. They better take care of me when I'm older. Would you let go your ego? You're dismissed. You're like, Pastor, what does is, what is egos have to do with spirituality? I mean, come on, why would you advertise that? I didn't even get, there's no sponsorship. Kellogg's did not pay me to do that ad. But that is an ad that has ran for so long. Now, I really like this ad. It's more current. And what I love about it is the dad isn't an idiot. Because, you know, in all the other ones, it was his dad, like the kids would be preparing the egos, and he'd be coming up with all these crazy ideas, like with like a fishing pole to try to get them and grab them and bring them in and all this. And I'm thinking, even as a kid, I thought, just ask your daughter for one and share a meal together, right? But, you know, they were trying to draw us into how good egos were, like you didn't want to share them with anybody. And you think, Pastor, but again, what does ego have to do with spirituality? What does it have to do with the message today? And the apostle so Paul says this in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I. Now that word I in the Greek is the word ego. Hmm, interesting, huh? So he says, it is no longer I, ego, who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I. Now this is a different word I in the Greek. It's zao, say zao. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who what? Who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, whenever I hear this word ego in the Greek, because we've done some studies and some teachings on this, I always think about ego waffles. So I thought, wow, 
Now, remember, it was always Lego, my ego. Well, maybe this morning we need to think about this idea of Lego, my ego. In fact, that's the title of the message today, Lego, my ego. But, but here's the reason why, because for some of us, it's really hard for us to let go of our ego. Do you know what that word means in the Greek? It actually, we get our English word ego from the word ego. The I, the ego. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I or the ego, or we could say the focus on self who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I, the zao, this word zao means to have true life, to be active, blessed, endless in the kingdom of God. It means living water, having vital power in itself and exerting the same upon the soul. It literally means this, spirit life. In other words, we could say spirit led life. Now think about that. Lego my ego. Not a Kellogg's ego, waffle, but Lego my ego. For some of us, it's hard to let go of the ego. And I believe God's saying to me, or saying to me, yeah, and us, will you let go of the ego? Now, something that's interesting here is when Paul says, it's no longer I ego, but the life zao, he's still speaking of the human ego. But it's what way that we go in life, how we do life when it comes to our ego. Ego is the one who speaks when I say I or me. It's the one that knows that I'm up here speaking right now and you are sitting. I know the difference between who I am. It's a sense of self and boundaries. We could say it like this. It's your physical space. It's our emotional boundaries. It's something around which my identity is beginning to structure itself. Now, think about babies as they grow up. They begin to be introduced into this idea of ego, who they are. And so what I'm not saying is that we can't have an ego because healthy ego is important. I mean, you're going to hear ego a lot. Ego and ego today. You're not going to forget this. But healthy ego is very important. You know, there, there were times where growing up in church, I would hear things about this idea of laying down your ego, getting rid of your ego, not having an ego. Now, I know what their intentions were, but listen, the ego is who you are. So I'd like to say like this, we need to keep the ego, but the word, let me use this word, sanctify the ego, right? Sanctify our ego. Don't get rid of your ego. The ego is who you are. It's your identity. We don't need to get rid of it. We don't need to throw it out. We need to sanctify it. We need to let Jesus show us the truth about ourselves so we can live out proper ego. I think ego that's lived in Christ, or I could say out of his strength, is a balanced ego, an ego that is in the proper place. So what we have is we have this ego that's healthy and balanced, and we need that. Now, I've talked before about ditches in life, that we're all on a journey, we're on this road, and, and being on the road is great, but you know, sometimes we can get off either side, and what happens is we fall into a ditch. Ever been there? And so, on one side of healthy ego, we can have a weak or fragile ego, where we feel unworthy, we, we don't feel good enough. And you know what this results in? It results in low self-esteem. It results in feeling unworthy. I've even done some studies on this, and it actually leads to mental illness. 
When you think you're not good enough, when you don't measure up, do you know that they have traced down when you believe in an angry God who you can't measure up to? This, this is scientific study, psychology. It actually messes you up in your brain to the point where you don't function correctly in life. It's not just, well, that, that place preaches angry God and they preach loving God. No, it really matters what face you see? Do you see an undistorted loving God? See, love doesn't mean that, that he's always happy with our decisions, but here's the thing. Even if he's unhappy with that decision, the reason he is is because what that decision is doing to you. He doesn't want you, just as any good parent, to go through those consequences. And so he says, let's train you for a better future. Not punish you for a past, but train you so then you can see the truth of who you are and then you operate differently. And guess what? Then the consequences are different. They're better. Does that make sense? But see, on the one side, that weak ego, I mean, low self-esteem, feeling unworthy, even mental illness. Now, on the other side, the other ditch we could say of ego, it's some have puffed up egos. You, You ever met someone like this? In fact, what do we say? Man, they got a huge ego. It's the I in life that is self-possessed. It's self-interested. It's the dimension of a person who would love to get the rest of the world to organize its agenda and its schedule and its priorities around ours. Now, I've been there at times. It's really this idea where ego has turned in on itself. It's self-absorbed. It's self-serving. I've been there. And so what we do is we manipulate and we control in order to get people to feed our ego. How many know either side of the ditch is not a healthy ego? But say this with me. I don't have to get rid of my ego. You need it. The ego is who you are, but it has to be balanced. It has to be healthy. I love this quote by Ian Cron. He's an Episcopal priest, author, and a therapist. He says this, when we talk about the ego, we're talking about how the human heart responds when it has the need for esteem and approval, for security and safety, for mastery and for control. See, as a young child, you grow up, you know, we can even see this when we're growing up. We start learning about our desires and our needs. And then sometimes what happens is we begin to manipulate or control people or things in a way that feeds our ego. Uh, how many have kids, grandkids? How many have enjoyed this Christmas season of egos being fed? And, and one, thing, one thing you can see is, especially with younger children, is they whine to get you to feed their ego. I want this. I want it that way. So their way of control and manipulation is to feed into that and to get you through their whining to do it. I've seen it. Like even to me, I'm like, I'm tired of your whining. Go ahead. Just, just have it. Just do it. Now, of course you could say, well, that's not limited to children because I know some adults who whine pretty well. Well, maybe they've never matured in their ego. But what we're doing is we're trying to, even as children, we're trying to find a sense of who we are. And so we'll use control. We use manipulation to somehow try to feed our ego. It gives us the power and the love, the security and the esteem and the safety that we want. But here's the thing. It often backfires because it's a life that becomes self-absorbed. And so there's a healthy way to have ego. Now, the reason I'm talking about this is because here we are. This is the very first Sunday of a brand new year. 
In fact, it's the very first Sunday of a brand new decade. To me, this is like the cleanest slate of all clean slates. I've been thinking about this lately, and I love the new year. I'm someone who loves clean slates. I like to put together plans and goals and do things. And so to me, it's not just a brand new year. It's a new decade. What am I going to accomplish in this decade? How many know it's okay to have goals? I mean, if you don't have a goal, you're not going to meet it. But this is where ego comes into play. Because we think about things like, I want to turn over a new leaf. I want to do things different in life because we have this clean slate, because we have this brand new decade. And so what do we do? We're making resolutions. I said that earlier, how many made resolutions? And most said yes. And Maggie said, yeah, right. (laughs) Well, because I've also heard, I was talking to someone even yesterday about this, that they're saying that sometimes we lie to ourselves so much that we begin to not trust ourselves anymore because we make these resolutions. But how many know resolutions aren't necessarily bad? New Year's resolutions are one of those things, though, that play off of our ego. Think about it. Most of our resolutions have to do with ourself. That doesn't mean that every resolution is wrong, but what is the engine that is driving our resolutions? Is it vanity? Is it social status? Is it self-preservation? Here's a big one. Is it proving yourself to others? See, for me, that was a big one. I got to prove myself to others. Here's an example. And again, I was just talking to someone yesterday about this, one of my friends. And it's the whole resolution, like, I'm going to eat better, meaning a better diet, and I'm going to exercise. How many know that's a great resolution? Nothing wrong with it. The resolutions that we make, I don't think inherently are bad. I think there's good, good to them. But to be honest, whenever I would in the past make these resolutions, it's because I wanted to look a certain way. Like I wanted to look like the fitness model in that commercial. Or I'm just being honest here and being transparent. Or I wanted to look like that, you know, that bodybuilder in the magazine. Come on, guys. I'm the only one apparently, but I wanted to look, I wanted to have that physique. I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to look better, but the engine behind my resolution was vanity. It really was. I, I thought somehow because of my low self-esteem that I could feel better about myself if I looked a certain way. See, my resolution for diet and exercise now is completely different. Because I have children and I have grandchildren and I want to live a long life with them because I believe that I have things that I can impart into them. I want to have relationship with them. I have friends that I just, you know what, I don't want to die early. I want to spend lots of time with my current friends. And I was thinking about this this morning. There's people whom I don't even know yet who will be my friends in the future who I, because I'm a vehicle of God, can bring healing and wholeness into their life. So my resolution in the past, and I look back at pictures. You ever done this? We were just looking through some pictures the other day and stuff, and I was like, what? Like, we're looking at pictures, and then, like, I'm looking at my arms going, where'd the arms go? Where, where did, like, I was in great shape because I put a lot of time in vanity. I did, I did a lot, and I'm like, and I thought I wasn't good enough. It was never good enough. That's crazy to me. But see, as you mature, you realize that, listen, having a great physique, I'll tell you, I really respect someone who can put the time and the energy and the wherewithal to achieve that. But see, mine was built around vanity and really even lower. It was built on shame and low self-esteem. If I can accomplish this, then I will look good enough and people will go, wow, look at him. 
because I was trying to be somebody I really wasn't. But see, now it's completely changed. It's more for health. I want to be healthy. I want to live a long life. There's just way too many people on this planet that I can have the opportunity to connect with, show them the relationship with God that's sitting there just waiting. Will you awaken to it? Will you say yes to it? There's healing. There's hope. Uh, there, there's, there's all kinds of goodness in this relationship. But I want to be able to be that vehicle to show that to people. See the difference? You know, money is like that too. Years ago, I would have goals and I would go into a business venture or maybe make an investment because I wanted, I wanted to make more money basically to prove my social status, to show that I was good enough to gain acceptance maybe from someone who I would consider to be elite. But now my goals are different. Because again, I believe I've matured. And listen, how many know it's a journey? I've got a way to go. But in a lot of this, like when it comes to money, I was talking to Pete about this. If a million dollars came into my hand right now, I would use it differently than I would have two years ago or five years ago or 10 years ago. I remember making investments and things and thinking, man, if this pays off. And man, I had like, I had the house figured out. I had the Corvette and the Raptor truck figured. I mean, like all the stuff figured out, right? I, my, my garage was going to look awesome. When the neighbors went by, they'd be like, wow, check out his garage. I mean, I say it out loud and I'm kind of embarrassed, but you know, that was my way of thinking. But now it's like, how much do I really need in life? And my wife will tell me. <laughs> we don't take a poverty oath, oath with an F apparently. We don't take a poverty oath. And my wife, she's not materialistic, but sometimes she helps me go, honey, it's okay, though, to have name brand stuff sometimes. You know, like, you don't have to live that low. But what I'm saying is, there's so much less than I need in life. I mean, like, I need warmth in the winter, a roof over my head would be great. I mean, but the kingdom changes your thinking on things. You look around you to people who are in need and need help. And, and here's what I, I've noticed is that instead of wanting more money so I can do more and heat more on myself... I find that my attitude now is like, if I had that kind of money, what could we do in this world? What help could we bring to someone in this world? Because have you ever been in a position where you saw someone in need and you just didn't have any extra like you wanted to with every fiber of your being, but if you did, your kids couldn't eat? How many of that sucks? That's my first sucks in 2020. That stinks, man, when you can't help when you really want to help. But it's, it's beautiful when you have the extra so you can help others. You know, just the other day, I, I was rolling through Starbucks because that's a really wise expenditure there. Um, $10 coffees. See, I'm still dealing with this ego, right? I want to I wanna be cool like everyone else and have that cup in my hand. But I'm going through Starbucks in the morning, and I just, I got, you know, a coffee and a sandwich. It was like twenty two ninety five, And I'm just kidding. It was like nine bucks. What? So I go through it. I'm getting this coffee and this, and this sandwich. And I'm in the line there. And, and after the next person, you know, is done, I, I pull up. And the lady at the register, she's getting ready to hand my stuff. And I've got, I'm really cool because I got an app they just scanned. I'm like, yeah, just scan the app, right? So I hold my app out. And she goes, oh, uh, the person in front of you uh, took care of your, your bill. It's all done. I'm like, What? And then, of course, I'm going, okay, it was a blue seer. Who do I know? Like, for 10 minutes, I'm trying to figure out who was this person. But my wife said, it was probably someone you didn't even know. Do you know people do this? It's called pay it forward. I thought, yeah. 
How many have done that for someone before? Raise your hand so we can look at how awesome you are. No, but seriously, have you been in line and you helped someone with their groceries? Or, and it wasn't because you're like, yeah, check out what I'm doing. Your heart was to help someone less fortunate. Holy Spirit was speaking to you about this person and you had the extra 20 or 30 or 50 bucks and you were able to help them. How many would love to be in that position? So making New Year's resolutions about money and budgeting and being smart with finances and cutting off the excess stuff is great. Why? Because now you're blessed to be a blessing. See the difference? But see how ego can go either way in these situations? So what I want us to do when we're putting together our resolutions this year, I want us to think about what is the engine that's driving those resolutions? Because the resolutions in and of themselves aren't bad. It's, it's not bad to, to diet and exercise. I know it feels like it when you get on the treadmill after two years. It feels like this is death. This is wrong. This can't be good for me, right? When you eat the first piece of green vegetable you've had in four years, you're like, what is going on right now? This is like, is this what earth tastes like? I get that. But see, those resolutions are good. Being better with your money. How about this? Being kind. How about this resolution? Forgiving. And I'm not talking about if they say they're sorry. <laughs> I think I just heard a gasp. Forgiving. This is the beauty of the life of Jesus. I see his example. And that's why I just need Holy Spirit to help me. Because... When we say we're Christians, I heard someone say this. It was like the coolest statement ever. When someone asked him, hey, are you a Christian? You know what his response is? Now, we know what they're saying, right? Do you follow Jesus? Do you go to church? Do you? But when someone says to him, are you a Christian? I love this response. I'm going to steal it. I'm going to use it. That's my resolution. I'm going to steal something. First thing in 2020. But his response is this. I don't know. Why don't you watch my life and tell me? Because Christian means Christ-like. And so when I say I'm a Christian, what I'm saying is I'm a follower of Jesus, but sometimes then I look at the life of Jesus and I'm like, I need some help. Because Jesus in his ministry, I, I, this just blows my mind. It, it was just in the last couple of years that I picked up on this. But Jesus, everywhere he went, he didn't just accept everyone. He didn't just extend healing, but he forgave people who didn't even ask for forgiveness. I mean, people say, I need healing. He said, your sins are forgiven you, now be healed. You're like, wait a minute, what, what is going on here? See, there's something about forgiveness. There's something about the state of feeling unforgiven where you don't, you're not able to even, you don't have the capacity to receive goodness because you don't think you're worthy of it. And Jesus started off conversations like this. Your sins are forgiven you. In other words, Done deal. I don't see it. I don't hold it against you. Why? Because he knew that the capacity for them to receive healing and goodness only happens when they know they're forgiven. And this is before the cross, which that brings all. I don't know what your atonement theory is, but that shifted a lot for me in this season. But what it shows us is that love forgives whether you ask for it or deserve it or not. So that's one of my resolutions this year. In fact, I want to get to the point where I've already forgiven a person before they've offended me. I may or may not achieve that, but that's my goal. 
Because I'm telling you, forgiveness isn't so much about the other person. It's about you. See, when you forgive someone, it's helping you. It's releasing you. It's, 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 it's getting you off the hook. Because what happens is if we're not careful, that unforgiveness, it turns into bitterness. It settles in your soul and it just causes so much havoc in our life. So think about these resolutions. What can we do to help others? So when we're putting together resolutions this year, are we thinking from the ego or that human ego of self-absorption or the zao? Are we thinking about ourselves and absorbed with our own agenda or are we living spirit life where our focus, we could say, is on the needs of others and my resolutions will bring healing and wholeness to those around me? See, that's why I said even with the fitness thing. Sure, I mean, the icing on the cake is I look a little gooder, right? But in the long run, I'm healthier, I live longer, and I have more time for relationship to bring healing and wholeness to people. See how it just shifts ever so slightly? You know, Paul tells us this in Colossians chapter 3, starting with verse 12. He says, put on then... As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Look at this. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Now, I love this must here. It's not legalism. It's saying, listen, if you want to operate, if you want to function correctly in life, you must release people. You must forgive people. And you see how Paul tells us to forgive? He says, forgive as Christ has forgiven you. Christ forgave you without you even asking his permission. That's powerful. But see, that's what love does. Jesus was the demonstration. He was the example of who God truly is because Jesus was God in flesh. And he was showing us this is the Father's heart. This is who he truly is. He has forgiven you. So don't let anything separate you from his love. Paul says nothing can separate you. Right? Death, life, angels, demons. He goes through this whole thing. He even says anything in creation... How many created things we have here this morning? Even you can't separate yourself from the love of God. But we can choose a path of estrangement where we feel like we don't measure up. We feel we're not worthy, but God has never put that on us. Even in the creation story, Adam and Eve, they fell, they messed up, they fell into sin. What did God do? He came to them. He clothed their shame. He did that so they would feel okay with him, not the other way around. He was saying, listen, nothing has changed. The way I see you is who you truly are. But will you awaken, the apostle tells us, to your righteousness? Will you awaken to your right relationship? Because when you do, it changes everything. Amen? I want to read this in Colossians again from the mere translation. This is really cool. And then we're going to wrap up. He says, you are the product of God's love. He restored you to his original thought. You belong to him exclusively. It is like changing garments. Because he says to put on, right? I love this idea here of garments. He says, now that you have gotten rid of the old, clothe yourselves with inner compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. What this shows me is that we have the opportunity to take those things off. 
and to not walk in them. But he's saying, clothe yourself with these things. He says, just like you were once identified by your apparel, the characteristics of these qualities define you now. Look at verse 13. Upholding one another in positive expectation. If anyone finds fault with another, restore that person to favor, remembering how the Lord's forgiveness has transformed our lives. I like how he describes forgiveness here. He says you're literally restoring that person to favor. You know what? That's really cool. Because the Apostle Paul tells us that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet off doing our own thing, living in a different way, you know, confused, lost, didn't know our identity, it says that God was in Christ, right? He didn't go somewhere else. The cross demonstrates God's love. He says, God was in Christ, and the word is reconciling you to himself. He did the work. That word reconcile means to bring in the favor. Isn't that awesome? Forgiveness is when you bring someone in the favor. You say, listen, I know what you did. It wasn't right. And I, and I, now, what I don't want us to do is go, you don't understand that. What that person did to me is wrong. I mean, it's illegal. They, I, I get that. And there's natural consequences for those things. But what about you releasing the person? I'm not talking about the law and what may need to happen. I'm talking about your heart and what you need to release. Because I've seen people in courtrooms who have stood up and shot people because they never forgave the person because of what you did to me or did to my son or daughter. And I, 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 I can't even imagine that pain when those things happen. But look what that caused to that person. Now a life of murder because they didn't forgive. And that's extreme. But what about the little things in life, those decisions that we have? We can say, I'm going to clothe myself in forgiveness. He says, wear it like a uniform. This is what completes the picture of our oneness in verse 15. I love this. He says, appoint the peace of Christ as umpire in your hearts. If you're looking for uh, something, a, a rule uh, in life, let it be the peace of Christ as your umpire in your hearts. We are all identified in the same person. There's only one body, the body of Christ. Look at this. We are born to be a blessing and exhibit his benevolence. Isn't that beautiful? So I want us to think about that this year, this fresh, clean slate, this brand new decade. What will our resolutions be? So here's the resolutions, making decisions in life that not only help us mature, but it also gives us the opportunity to bring healing and wholeness to those around us. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love and your grace toward us. It's something that we're told to even try to measure the height, the breadth, the depth, the length. It's just so big. I pray that this year we would not only measure your love for us, but we would also measure our love for ourselves. Because once we can love ourselves, then we have the capacity to love others. I pray that as we make resolutions this year, that it wouldn't be for vanity, it wouldn't be for social status. What can we do to make ourselves better to then in turn make others better? Help them see the true version of themselves that you've created, who they are, sons and daughters with unique gifts and talents. 
to say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace and forgiveness. I receive that right now. And Heavenly Father, help me with these resolutions. What is the motivation? What are the reasons behind my resolutions? If there's anything in my heart that needs to be dealt with, I open myself up to you. Holy Spirit, be that light to show me those areas. In Jesus, I welcome your healing touch. I trust you. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Happy New Year. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.